Welcome to the Power Play Podcast, where international cricketer Kyron Powell and marketing genius Jordan Shannon join forces, bringing you captivating conversations with the biggest players in cricket and business. Join us as we dive into the lives of current stars in the cricketing world, the legends before them, and those extraordinary icons whose performances changed the game in both cricket and business. Exploring journeys both on and off the pitch, the boardroom, and everything in between. Get ready for an exhilarating blend of cricket, life, and business insights with two insatiably passionate, infuriatingly no-holds-barred hosts who, unfortunately for the rest of us, live and breathe this stuff for a living. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the third episode of the Power Play podcast. I'm joined today, as always, by Kyron Powell. How are you, Kai? I am absolutely shattered. Um, <laughs> travel stories another caribbean travel story but i'm here how are you yeah not too bad thank you yeah it's decent and um, i just want to say obviously apologize for everyone i know we mentioned that we'd be putting out the podcast um a little bit earlier than we're doing at the moment but as kai mentioned then um domestic travel around the caribbean is definitely uh not too uh yeah a bit, a bit of a tricky one so we're here anyway a little bit later but you know i hope you all enjoy it anyway so we touched last week obviously uh, on the um on the World Cup, and we discussed a little bit about England getting turned over in by New Zealand, and obviously tournament cricket, that style of things, and what works and what doesn't, and how to go about things and stuff. But obviously, with the World Cup now being comfortably underway, there's been a few standout performances. What sort of, uh, you know, leading the way? You know, who's impressed so far for you? I think South Africa's flying high at the moment. Um, no one necessarily. I mean, obviously, everyone knows South Africa is a good team, but in yeah. terms. Um, tournament play, they've always had that issue of being consistent, uh, especially at the biggest times, actually, you know, delivering and getting across the line. Uh, yeah. So it's it's been good to see the fearless nature in which they've actually gone about things. Um, yeah. New Zealand, as I mentioned, is obviously a very good tournament play team, and they're, they're just proving that time and time again, you know, they've just been so consistent um, and just finding ways to win. So I think those are the two standout teams, along with obviously the host nation, India, who just um, keep moving ahead. India seems yeah. to be virtually pretty much unbothered, untested at the moment. Yeah, I think you know going on the South Africa point, one thing I think I've picked up on is that, yeah, obviously they have this sort of, um, sort of thing about being chokers or just not managed to get over the line, that sort of stuff. But I think they're reaping the benefits of some of their top players playing in these franchise tournaments around the world. So the fact that Klassen's doing as well as he was doing, you know, Vincent Decock with it being his last tournament in South Africa, absolutely flying and leading the way at the top of the order. But because he's been playing in big tournaments now for such a long period of time, that level of um, expectation, but also from your mindset and how you prepared, he's, he's, he's probably miles more used to it than previous people who've been in, you know, in, the uh in the south african team they, they played in in front of massive crowds under big pressure so it's a bit more second nature to them and i think they're massively reaping the benefits of that yeah no 100 percent um and the names that you call these are obviously guys that are well established and experienced in franchise cricket you've also got the likes of 
um, David Miller in that team. You've got Aidan Markram, who's absolutely flying as well in this tournament. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't forget the likes of a Kagisa Robada, who's just world class. You know, um, so things things have gone amazingly for them today. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think, that, and that's where you know the next part. You know, the next few games is going to be really important. Uh, for them because in the previous obviously episode we spoke about momentum and going you know going and, and how important that is South Africa have not only got to maintain that but as the crunch games come they've got to get that that monkey off the back a little bit in terms of like dropping that fact of being a bit of a uh, a choker sort of thing so I think it's really important for them to sort of really make some statements going forward as well so I think you mentioned there about um, India I thought it was a fantastic performance against Pakistan. I was watching the game and um, Rizwan and Babarazan were just going so well. They looked in, you know, fine form. They were playing some superb shots and really sort of building that innings for them. And it just goes to show that X-factor impact that they had with Siraj and um, Bumrah to be able to go and get them two out like that and then just go through the side. I thought there was a real, uh, I thought it was a real key part of Cap. Of, the importance of the role of the captain with Sharma, the way that when they got Babrazam out, he brought them, he brought Bumba back on straight away. It, it, it was a really, really key part of the game, and I thought he absolutely nailed it. Yeah, if you remember in the earlier part, I said that I think that India's got the best captain in the tournament, and you know, just from being one fifty for two to one ninety all out, just understanding who to bring back, when to bring them back. Yeah, um, the importance of a cool deep Yadav as well, who's um. Yeah. Very- in that team you know he's, he's definitely worked on his game he's bowling a lot quick as everyone's mentioned which is obviously helping him because then batters don't have as much time to adjust um and then Rohit Sharma just absolutely got off to a fly and just kept going and we know he's probably the most destructive batter in Wanda international cricket with I mean this is a guy that has three double centuries in Wanda international so yeah that entire Indian team, um, whether it's with the bat or with the ball, they just have lots of options to throw at you to find a way to to get things done. And you know, they've been they've been flying as well. No, definitely. I think in the in the first episode when we talked about you sort of your life in cricket a bit, we spoke about when you played um, the major debut, the test debut against that India side, and we spoke about Sewag. I thought the way that Rohit Sharma batted was very similar to how and the Sewag sort of went about it. It was very dominant, but very classy in the way that it was as well. I thought it was so impressive. I really did. Well, as as crazy as it is to even fathom, I think Roy Sharma is even a lot more talented and a lot more effortless than than Verinda Sewag. Like it just looks, it looks like poetry. It looks like something yeah. that yeah. You get at a theatre, something that you get as a classical painting. Like it just, and and we all know, like it's it's not as easy as it looks for him. And no. I mean, whilst it looks easy for him, we all know it's not easy for him as well. Yeah. And so that puts added pressure on him yeah. because like people think that, oh my God, this guy is like, it's so easy for him. Like look at how much time he has, which I mean, it's all just a perception having more time than anyone else. It's just, yeah, how yeah. he picks up the length and trajectory of the ball quicker, micro, micro fraction quicker than other people do. But to have that ability and to just have that fearlessness because I mean to have the ability is one thing, but to be able to execute the way he does in the pressure situations, the way he goes about it, I mean, he's now the leading century maker in World Cup cricket, which is 
absolutely crazy because he's only played 20 innings and he's got seven centuries in 20 innings. Whereas yeah. like, you've had guys that are absolute giants of the game. You think of the Sachin Tendulkas, Ricky Pontins, etc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Played what, what, whether it's 50, 60, 70 World Cup innings and had five centuries, you know, and this guy scored five centuries in the last World Cup alone and he's off to another flyer here. So yeah. really good for him and, and Arg as well for India. Yeah, definitely. I think like you were saying there about his impact in the World Cup, it's the biggest stage. So not only is he is he scoring runs at the highest level anyway, he's scoring them in the in the biggest games on the biggest stage. So you've you've actually got to stand back and admire that, really. And like yeah. you said, as, and being captain as well, the knock on effect that will have throughout the team, the confidence that will instill through throughout the team and the squad really will be massive. It really will be. And like you said, I, 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 you can't look past them at the minute. I think that you know the way that new zealand have been impressive like we spoke about before they've just been going around their business sort of quietly and it probably a little bit might suit them the way that in you know everyone's sort of raving about india someone's gonna have to play india in the semis and the finals but the way that it's set up so far i think that someone's got a team's going to go under the radar a little bit and i think if they keep ticking over um and you know keep performing lads getting you know spending time at the crease bowlers getting overs under the belt as well i think it'd be i think Whoever that team may be, whether it whether it will be in New Zealand, for instance, I think that you know it's going to be a great. It's going to make for a great contest, whether they meet them in the semi or the final, whenever that will be. I'd actually like to see the South Africa India semi final on one side, and the England New Zealand semi final on the other side, because if South Africa are able to get past India, then obviously that does a huge yeah. lot of confidence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And team and, and that stigma of being chokers as well as on the other side sort of a replay for a world cup final but between the two finalists of the last world cup and obviously the tensions and all that went on during that last world cup final with new zealand and england so i think yeah. that would be making for amazing cricket yeah definitely definitely and i think that um you mentioned there about england i think that i think the performance against afghanistan was just complete like i think i put it down to complacency to be honest with you i think it was just a very labored performance you know and they completely underestimated a side that that they focus so much on white ball cricket they know the game inside out you might not be to to the you know they beat an england fair play but you know some of the some of the high profile names and uh, you know are not going to be matched the likes of some of the names in the england side but they know the game inside out, and I think England were complacent and, you know, did, did, did 100% deserve to get beat. Yeah, I just, as, as I said previously as well, um, I just don't think that this England team has sort of that X factor, whatever it is, that you could just, you feel, looking at it, compared to the last World Cup, that there's just something missing from this team, as opposed to the last World Cup. They seem to have everything in place, and they seem to have everyone fit and firing. Yeah. As you know, um, whether it was a Jason Roy on top um, going absolutely crazy, obviously you had Owen Morgan's leadership experience, you yeah. had Joker Archer, you had spinners in form taking wickets. You know, it just feels yeah. as though um, everyone's sort of not in that same place at the moment for this England team. And so it, it feels as though they're playing catch-up, like trying to get into form, same as Australia, but, yeah. but in a, a major tournament as opposed to South Africa, India, yeah. New Zealand, which seem to have players in form and more composed at, at this point of the tournament. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just thinking of this stuff on the top of my head. Do you think that 
with England and Australia both playing in this high intensified Ashes series, do you think that I know they're separate sides, don't get me wrong, but there are some player some player crossovers. Do you think that that could have a bit of an impact on both sides at the minute? Don't necessarily think so. Just it, it seems like both of them are undercooked, if that makes sense. They they seem to not have had as much time um, as a unit, um, as much playing time. Yeah. I mean, obviously, with with playing schedules being what they are at the moment globally, um, you sort of have to do what you have to do, and everyone's a professional at the end of the yeah. day. So these yeah. are these are those that will figure it out. It's just a matter of when, not if. Um, but I just think that they just seem to lack that bit of time together playing as a team right now um they they could have done with probably another two weeks um before the start of the world cup both sides in terms of getting a bit more time together yeah yeah no no i i, I get that i think there's going to be a few a few key fixtures over the next few weeks that sort of um you know go and and determine what happens really i think australia playing pakistan on friday which is going to be a big game with them both. Well, obviously Australia has won today, but Pakistan are wanting we wanted to bounce back. Um, and England play um, South Africa on Saturday, so that again will be a massive game. In the fact that they've had a bit longer time off this time, um, I know we spoke about that um, last week in terms of the, about getting about India and travel and stuff like that. England have got you know a bit of time off off now as such to be able to concentrate because that's. As we mentioned about South Africa, they're flying, and England are obviously, um, you know, not performing. So I think there's a bit of a, an interesting, an interesting contest on Saturday. That. Yeah, and I think just in general, as I said in the previous part as well, like you want to get off to the best status possible because if there is a mid-tournament slump, um, you're able to sort of recover and regroup and come back and finish strong. Both of these, uh, majority of these teams that we're mentioning now haven't had. The greatest start. I think England, England have lost two games, or have they won two games? They've lost two games. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, New Zealand and Bangladesh again. I thought it was a great bounce back performance. That you know, people had time at the crease and some, you know got some runs under belt. Then they got they got beat. So it's two or two defeats, one win. So right. so they they can't afford to be three losses out of four in in a competition that you see teams are flowing at the moment because then they literally have to go perfect all the way through, which, I mean, they actually found themselves in that situation in the last World Cup as well. But um, history doesn't always necessarily repeat itself. And you'd want to give yourself as much, you know, freedom to to sort of be able to play and make a mistake as opposed to having to go perfect all the way through. So, um, no, it's going to be a huge weekend and not just a huge weekend, I think just for the tournament going forward, like there's lots of, you can see lots of um, things are up for grab very early in the competition because of the way it started with certain teams that we would have expected to go a lot further, um, struggling at the beginning and other teams taking advantage of that. Yeah, because going back to the England, I thought they would have rested Mark Wood yesterday. Uh, whenever they played, I can't remember the top head, but I thought they would have rested him just to sort of get him to recover again because it's, the impact of having that real out and out pace bowl is going to be pretty important. So I thought they might have rested him. So I was interested to see if he actually played. Well, I'm not sure if they are able to rest him now, um, obviously because of the situation that they're in. 
That's what I mean. And, and that's that's sort of another bit of a catch twenty two for them. Obviously, missing someone like a Jofra Archer on the other end that you know you can have dual pace, or you can just have one of them play and rotate yeah. um, the other one, whatever the case may be. Um, so those are little factors that they have to figure out. But obviously, I think Ben Stokes will play the next game, which will make a huge impact on on England's. Even if he doesn't score, just his presence there, you know what he does. For, yeah, what he does for English cricket and the team, um, yeah. huge. So that's something to take note of. And obviously, his addition. I mean, he's not bowling in the tournament, but even in the field and the advice that he can offer to the captain, just spotting different things. Um, so I think that it would be not only a good addition for England, but for the World Cup because we want to see you know, competitive matches all the way through. And, and so we need the best players to play. Yeah, and I think we spoke before about about Sharma in terms of um, his performances in the World Cup. Obviously, Ben Stokes not necessarily in the World Cup. Obviously, his innings against New Zealand in the final was superb. But overall, he is someone who performs on the stage. He thrives on the occasion. thrives on the fact of England being in trouble and, and, and performing. So I think that him coming, into the, him coming in against South Africa you know, makes sense as long as he's fit. And, you know, I think it could give England that boost with him. Like, like I said, he, with him just a lot of his presence, his impact will have, will have a nice impact, I think, on England. So I look forward to seeing that. And then I think on the Sunday as well, you've got to, the you know, take South Africa out a little bit. Like, well, England, sorry, New Zealand play um, India on Sunday as well. So you'd probably say two of the... Um, you know, the sides that you know, mentioned to the semi final, they're going to be playing each other. So that'll be an interesting concept. But by the close of, of this week, you're going to, I think the World Cup will sort of have a nice little plan in terms of where it's looking to go and who's, yeah. who's there or thereabouts and, and what not. Anyway, so it's definitely opening up nicely. So hopefully, um, you know, from my perspective, everyone can kick on nicely and get a nice win on Saturday and build a bit of a And then we'll see what we get to with that. Yeah, no, definitely. It's it's shaping up a lot quicker than we anticipated. Um, as I said, with, with with the teams that have lost and with the teams that have won, because for for New Zealand to get through to the semi-finals as like an in India, it's not it's not far off now because they've got a perfect start. Um, so they can afford a blip, which I mean nobody wants a blip. But if, if there's a situation where you do lose a game or two, you still have points in the bank where other teams are playing catch up and. Tough teams have to play tough teams as well, which keeps you ahead, um, sort of a la Manchester City for the past couple of years in the Premier League. Um, so it, it is a big weekend. Um, and I guess that's that's good for cricket and cricket viewers because I said you get intensified matches, you get people and teams playing tough, hard cricket, exciting, entertaining cricket. Yeah. And that's good for the World Cup on a whole. No, definitely. Definitely. So I think we touched on it before. You're in Trinidad at the moment. Um, you finally got there. Uh, so how how's that from your side after the Super Fifty, and how things are going over there? Uh yeah. So we got here pretty late last night. Um, prep in terms of pre-tournament prep, all done, ready to go. We've got an afternoon practice session today, a morning practice session tomorrow, and then we kick off our our tournament on. Wednesday. I think the actual tournament starts tomorrow. We've got two games tomorrow. But um, first, as the Leeward Islands team, we kick off on Wednesday against Jamaica in a day-night match. Um, so 
yeah, all all ready to go. Um, there's there's not much that we can do between now and Wednesday. So yeah, everyone everyone's looking good. Everyone's confident, um, and it's just time to go out on the field and have some fun and execute. Yeah, definitely. definitely. It looks that I know. Obviously, it's not. We, we took again. We touched on it last week about the West Indies not being in the World Cup. But I think one benefit for me uh, from this tournament, you know, perspective is that you've got some of the marquee names playing in that, and um, I think I think have a real positive impact within the tournament. Um, so, who looks out? You, you, you looks as a strong, strongest one of the strongest sides out there. Um, well, as you said, because the West Indies haven't qualified, you've got lots of. Um, marquee names playing in the tournament so that's that's good for the tournament overall but um i think personally and as a west indian cricket fan in general um, we would hope that this is the last time that we'd have yeah. this benefit you know we'd, we'd rather not have this benefit if that were the case you know yeah, yeah, yeah. Out of the world cup but no there's some good teams out i mean everyone's got full firepower um so i don't think there's any any bad teams per se there's obviously the inexperienced teams in terms of the ccc yeah and cindy's academy um but in terms of all the established regional teams you've got a good balance where you've got teams like jamaica for example they've got lots of um firepower in the batting lots of power hitters etc yeah um, you've got guyana that's got good all around um has a good all around game um likes of trinidad and barbados and the windward islands as well so yeah, uh, we fancy our chances, and I'm sure all the other teams do as well. So it's just a matter of just like the World Cup, whoever gets off to a good start and giving themselves a buffer um, will have a chance to go along in this tournament. You don't want to have to play catch up in in these conditions. Yeah, no, I, I, you know, I've been looking through that, you know, with um, you know some of the clients obviously being played for to the teams and stuff. And I think it's, it's a very well balanced, well, in my opinion, it was a very well balanced competition. Um, I think there's going to be some some really tight games and like said, you know, linking it to the World Cup, it, it's going to be a momentum thing and he gets off to a good start. Um, in terms of like, I, I, I wanted to mention there about the combined CC sort of situation and the West Indies Academy. How important is it for the, for the younger generation you know, mentioned how important is it for their development to play in these sort of terms with experienced pros like yourself really um well um i haven't really given it much thought or nor do i know how i particularly feel about them playing in it um whether it should be a situation like in the uk where before the season starts like you have counties playing against um universities in three-day yeah. games and etc yeah them being a part of the full tournament but in terms of obviously it being an opportunity for young players they, yeah. they're not gonna get this unless they're playing for their regional team so it's definitely something they wouldn't have had and yeah. they've included in the four-day setup as well um which is a benefit to them um it's just for them to grab the opportunity and prove that i mean obviously it doesn't even have to be winning, but just just putting up solid performances and showing that you know I am someone. Whoever the players, I am someone that you know my my regional team, whichever whichever region of the Caribbean they're from, they're someone that their regional team should be looking at um, for the future. So I think that's what it's all about: just grooming and adding additional players to the talent pool of the West Indies and giving opportunities to young players that the West Indies Cricket Board.
think have an opportunity to go further. Yeah. No, I, I, I get that. I get that. Well, hopefully, like I said, I, I, you know, we, we'll it'd be really good to keep an eye on it. It'd be good to get you to have a capture at mid-tournament as well to see how things are going. And again, you know, similar to who's impressing and who's doing well and how it's how it's going over there. But um, I sort of briefly wanted to sort of, well, there's two things I want to look at. I want to discuss Alistair Cook retiring. I think that, you know, him being a left hand himself, I wanted to have a bit of that. I also wanted to speak to you briefly about um, the news that broke today about the Olympics in LA in, uh, will be featuring in it and sort of the impact that it'll have on the sport, you know, to the wider audience. So in terms of Alistair Cook retiring, I think that, you know, uh, you know, what a fantastic opener, the skills he's shown, the real resilience as a player. Um, you know, you've been fortunate to share a field on numerous occasions. So, you know, fair play to him and he deserves to go out the way he did as well. Yes, yeah, so funnily enough, um, I, I saw some guys in our in our chat saying that Alistair Cook has retired twice and Jimmy Anderson still playing. <laughs> so funny. And Jimmy, I think, obviously started before Alistair Cook, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. But no, he's he's had a fantastic career, both at international and um, county level. Someone that has made not only a name for himself, but like the way he plays and obviously the impact he had on the game and England um, up until recently, not not having filled that void from since he's retired. You know, so um, testament to him on, on what an impact he's had on on English cricket and the game of, on the game on a whole. I mean. To, to to have someone that got knighted for sporting performances tells you, you know, what what a legend of the game he is in itself. Um, so congratulations to him on not only inspiring other left-handed openers like myself or left-handed batters in general, but just batters and cricketers and, and cricket lovers and fans, you know, um, particularly two series that stick with me from Alistair Cook is that series when England won in Australia 3-1. Yeah, and the series one they won in India, and he scored yeah, yeah. loads of runs in 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 both um series as well, you know. And it was just someone that once he got in, like it was impossible to sort of um dislodge him. So no fair play to him. Hope he enjoys life after cricket. Um, and what people tend to forget is that life after cricket is twice as long as life as a professional athlete, you know. Um, so hopefully. You know, he has everything lined up. He's able to enjoy his family time, enjoy his second career, whatever that may be. And you know, just he's he's put in the hard work, so he he should be afforded the the luxury of yeah. enjoying life now. Yeah, definitely. You mentioned there about you know him retiring. Um, you know, from, obviously from he obviously retired from an international perspective, but then he retired officially from from cricket uh, last week, but. The fact he went back to playing county cricket, I thought, was a real sort of um, a really important thing in the fact that he just, you know, everything he's achieved in in playing international cricket to then go and finish with his home county uh, and the impact he probably would have had on the players um, in that changing room and the lessons that they would have learned and the way that they would have seen him go about it from a professionalism perspective, but also under certain situations under certain circumstances the experience he would have passed on would have been you know completely just invaluable i think that me and you spoke about it again we talked about from a from a league perspective when we have professionals who come and play league cricket like what we learn 
and and stuff. It's just you, you can't put a price on it. And I think that the impact he would have had the same impact from international down into that county circuit. It's just so important. Yeah, and it's obviously the learnings and and the things that would have taken place um, from him passing on to the younger generation of Essex um, would have yeah. been not only invaluable for them, but like you, you could see the end result on the field as well because yeah. Essex has been pushing Surrey for years and obviously won a few championships in between in, the, in, in his last bit as a first-class cricketer. Um, and these are two counties with huge financial um, differences in terms of the, the budgets that they have. And for Essex to be able to compete year in, year out, um, yeah. Is, is a testament to obviously the things that they're doing as a club and obviously Alistair's leadership um, on and off the field there would have been massive for them. Um, but to have not only the want, but the desire to go back and play county cricket after having such a stellar international career, you find most most guys just retire from international cricket. And, At that yeah, point. Exactly. Um, so for him to have gone back to play county cricket um, not for one season, not for two seasons, but for quite a bit of time after as well. Yeah, um, shows shows not just his love for his his home county, but for the game, which is genuinely what is important. You know that guys like him that have obtained the highest level of success and achievements across the world still love the game so much that he goes back and gives back to the game, gives back to his county, gives back to that community of Chelmsford in Essex and, you know, all the young players across the country, because obviously it's not just guys at Essex that would have benefited from, yeah. you know, some young kid somewhere in Nottinghamshire that went to a day of a county championship and had the opportunity to speak for him, speak to him, sorry, for five minutes, but that may spark him and be his motivation to want to become a professional cricketer yeah. and maybe an, inter an England international cricketer at some point. Yeah, so things like these uh, are what really matters in the game. You know, the way that you can impact other people's lives and make friends and inspire future generations. And so, uh, he's been uh, a giant of the game. I'm pretty sure that we'll still see him in the game along the way. He does commentary um, yeah. in the summers as well. So, I mean, he's—I don't think he's going to be lost from the game, which no. is good for cricket all around because that level of experience and exposure needs to be shared to the next generation and you know to keep cricket alive yeah definitely definitely like well just to summarize what you said there it's a credit to himself it, you know real credit to do what he did and things and you know sir alistair cook you know as a as an england cricket fan he's, he's been absolutely so you know he's been one of the best ever to do it i think that you know we talked about the impact on uh, that basketball had over the summer and how it's been he would walk straight back into that england team and he goes and regardless of the, the style of play he had versus what brendan mccullough was trying to achieve he can just bat for days so you just it's what it is yeah he might not play as aggressive as the openers do nowadays or what he wants to do style of play but he would still walk into that side without a shadow of a doubt yeah and I mean, he did play in probably the most successful England Test team yeah. uh, at a period in time. So, I mean, this, this is someone that whilst he wasn't basketball, he was highly effective in a successful unit with lots of superstars around him. So he he was value for money every single time. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So yeah, I just wanted to finish a little bit in terms of 
the um, cricket being played in the Olympics in LA in uh, 2028, I think it is, I don't know how do you feel like it has an impact on the sport we both love, really? I think it's amazing because cricket being the second largest sport in the world is still highly underrepresented in most of the world. Let's yeah. let's be honest. Cricket is only played in a very niche, small amount of countries. Like lots of people don't even know what cricket is. Yeah. Um, and that's crazy to think with cricket having over two point whatever billion followers globally. Um so this gives us exposure to obviously not just new markets but new teams coming into play cricket, new revenue streams, new ways of doing things because think of um the inventions countries like a Japan might have um, coming into cricket the way that they might bowl or recovery or whatever the case is, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, And just every little thing adds up having new ideas and new markets exposed to the game that we love so much. Um, and obviously at the Olympics, you're, you're mixing and mingling with the biggest and the best of all sports. You know, it's, it's the best of the best. So I think it's, it's great for cricket. Um, another great step. It's going to be interesting to see what teams are competing at this initial event, um, how they go about selecting what teams are competing. Um, obviously, it's going to be a T20 format, as that's probably the most appeasing format for for consumers to take in. Yeah. in obviously, what is a quick-moving event, the Olympics. Um, but no, I think it's it's definitely great and a great a great addition for the sport. Um, it's going to be interesting future editions of the Olympics to see how sort of cricket is maintained or is it is it going to be sort of a one-off thing because obviously the US are making a huge push into cricket as well thus they have cricketing facilities and the need to build cricketing facilities whereas if it's played in a South American country for example and Argentina there are no cricket infrastructure there there's yeah. no so how do they go about sort of these um, things in future editions of the Olympics will be as interesting as cricket being allowed back into the 2028 um, edition of the Olympics? No, definitely. Definitely. Yeah, I really appreciate your insight on that because I know we spoke about it before and stuff. So I think that it'd be interesting to see how it unfolds and how they go about it and things. So thank you very much as always for the insights and the, you know the review on the world cup so far and the super 50 um so yeah thank you so much for your time it's, it's a pleasure as always thanks jordan it's been great speaking again and we'll we'll keep these great episodes coming definitely speak to you soon thank yes. you thank you for joining us on the power play podcast hosted by kyron powell and jordan shannon We hope you enjoyed this immersive dive into the world of cricket and business, exploring the unique experiences and perspectives of players past and present, alongside those invaluable insights into intriguing business themes that transcend beyond the boundaries of sporting heroics. Be sure to set your reminders on your Alexa or Google Home device. Or we won't tell anyone if you still use those paper calendar things from a bygone era. Join us next time for more inspiring dialogue with scintillating minds on the Power Play podcast.